Late Night Movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are continuing on with our visual album series. Last week, we did Odd Sack by Animal Collective. That was great. Now we are moving on to The Beatles. We are doing their third movie, I guess, kind of visual album. Uh, the only animated one, Yellow Submarine. So we have, oh, Zach. Zach, we have so much to talk about before we can even get to Yellow Submarine. Okay? We got to do like, we got to reverse pyramid this. We got to cone this. We got to start big. I'm putting Zach on the spot. He does uh, not know I'm asking him these questions. Zach, who's your favorite Beatle? Ringo. Ooh, right on. So I guess you know the answer to uh, who is Marge Simpson's favorite Beatle. <laughs> Ringo! <laughs> More evidence that Zach and Marge Simpson are actually the same person. <laughs> Nobody's ever seen my hair before, so mm, just saying. Okay. Yes. So, okay, I didn't know that... Uh, Ringo was your favorite Beatle. My favorite Beatle is George. I love George. Okay, good. We got that out of the way. Next question. You might not like this one as much. Uh-oh. Can we drop top five favorite Beatles songs? Do you have that list on the top of your head? Well, it's funny you ask that because I broke out the Beatles rock band this afternoon. Oh. So fresh, in my, mo- fresh in my mind. Okay, okay. Uh, my my favorite Beatles songs. Um, I kind of I was really we'll probably get into this a little bit later though. But I really hit my stride with the Beatles in like 2009 when Rob and I were in high school together with the Beatles rock band. Oh yeah. Uh, I my, my I like the Beatles. They're not my favorite. Um, I, I can appreciate them for the uh, world class talent that they are. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I have exactly a favorite. It's kind of not because like oh I have so many favorites. How can I pick just one? <laughs> Uh, I don't like love anything. I, back in high school, my favorite Beatles song was Revolution. All right, okay. the, the, I know there's like 15 versions of that song, but the, I guess the, the single, the B side, I think it was of like one of their singles. Sure. So I think maybe, I think it was to Hey Jude. I think it was the B side to Hey Jude. But I could be wrong. But that's my favorite. Um, I really, I, I, I would say that I, I'm a weirdo. I prefer <laughs> their like bubblegum pop stuff when they first got started. Like, give me Twist and Shout over She's So Heavy. Like, I love Oh, okay, okay, okay. See, that's that's fair, Zach. I think that, you know, that's a good thing that you're getting out there. Um, Zach and I are both appreciators of the Beatles. You know, I've met a lot of people in my lifetime talking about music and, and working on music, and they just kind of don't like the Beatles because... You know, it's it's kind of contradictory. Like they get to be contrarian. They get to be like, "Oh, the Beatles aren't that good." Whether or not you like the Beatles, that's up to you. You can't deny how talented they were and how much of an impact they had, not just on the world of music, but the world as a whole, and what kind of mass media meant and mass consumption. And you know, a, a big part of that was what Zach said he likes the most: their early pop stuff. Um, I definitely don't dislike the early pop stuff. But you better believe I like the later albums the best. You know, when they were more of a studio band or just a studio band after they took their trip to India. All that great stuff. So I asked for a top five favorite Beatles songs, Zach. You gave me one. 
Is that okay. all I'm going to get? Okay. <laughs> Revel? Okay. Because I really don't have... I, I, I don't listen to them enough to have a top five, but I guess if you have a gun to my head, Revolution... Oh, I do. Just so everybody knows, I have a gun to, to Zach's head, and it's consensual. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't, you can't call me a criminal for it. Zach asked for it. Oh, jeez. It's like a weird quasi-form of, like, uh, like assisted suicide. <laughs> Number one, probably be Revolution. Number two, Twist and Shout. I like Octopus's Garden. I like okay. that a lot. Okay. Any, any, we'll get to this later, but I like, I like the fact that every Ringo song has something to do with water. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm amused by that as like a concept. Um, hey, Bulldog. We'll get to that in a moment. Are you saying that's your number four? I, they're all over the place. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, all, giving, you, I'm giving you five. Okay, okay. Uh, I think I you're like, four total. I like, I like eight days a week, too. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. All right. So, but I do. I, I I like back in the USSR. I love and your. I, I do like most. Again, most of their major songs I like. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like we're like the really more abstract stuff or experimental. Where it just be John Lennon saying number nine, number <laughs> nine for like fifteen minutes. I'm like no, that's not music. Like, sorry, you can call it that if you want, but that's not music to me. Okay. Okay. Fair. Repeating the same word over and over again with like no beat, no melody. That's that's not music. Fair. Zach takes that stance. We're not here to discuss that right now. <laughs> Repeating the same word apparently is music to Rob. Uh, but here we go. I got my top five. You know I do. Now, this changes, I would say, every few years because I think about it. And, you know, the way I think about music changes as well. But I'm going to go guess. From, I want to guess. I want to guess. I'm going to go from five to one. I want to go. I want to I want guess at least two of these. I think I know two of them. Okay. Okay. Taxman and Maxwell guess? Silver Hammer. Do you want my answer right now, or do you want me to do my list? What do, do you think? List. Okay, so number five. Number five is from Sgt. Pepper's Within You, Without You. That's a fantastic song. You know that one, Zach? No. Okay, that's a very uh, very uh, India-inspired song. Number four, from the White Album, Happiness is a Warm Gun. That is such a fantastic song. Yeah, I need a fix, because I'm going down, Zach. That's like of my M.O. <laughs> this is the odd number, couple this episode number three also from the white album while my guitar gently weeps very much like i said before my favorite beetle george harrison great great song number two from yellow submarine hey bulldog that is ah. just that is just a group of talented musicians having fun that is just straight up having fun with their abilities it's such a great uplifting song to hear and number one from revolver but also on yellow submarine eleanor rigby that has been my favorite beatles song and one of my favorite songs probably since i was seven or eight years old when i first listened listened to the beatles but we'll get to that when we hit that in yellow submarine now the songs zach mentioned Taxman and maxwell Silverhammer. i do love those songs Taxman is great there's a really awesome cover of Taxman by the Cold War Kids that they played at a George Harrison Music Festival. Definitely recommend checking it out. Maxwell's Silverhammer is not one of my favorite Beatles songs, but because Zach knows them, it's one of my dad's favorite Beatles songs. I remember you saying you like Maxwell's Silverhammer at one point in high school. I do. I definitely. That's a fantastic song. That's a great song. But top five? I don't know. I don't think so. 
Folks, he's moving the goalpost on me. He's not allowed to change. He's not allowed to change his opinion in nine years. <laughs> so we're gonna do a new Beatles episode every month, and we're gonna do an update on my top five favorite songs. <laughs> no, but that's so. That's my top five favorite Beatles songs. Did you have anything that you wanted to say about the Beatles before we got to the nitty gritty of this visual album? I got a Rob question for you. Ooh, in, cool. okay. I, I, don't know, I, I don't know anything about music. Um, insert Zach music taste here. <laughs> Um, oh, by the way, we should do an S Club episode. Did S Club have a visual album? S. Oh, they definitely have like a TV movie, which I guess a TV you, show. I guess you could consider. Yeah, they definitely have a TV show, and I think there was like a movie in that series. I definitely think you could consider that. Do I still a bonus episode? Just every episode. <laughs> we gotta figure out how many episodes S Club ran for. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, anyway, though, so um, no, I have no taste in music, though. But I've, I, I've, this is a fun question to ask people. Out of these three bands, which is considered the greatest? The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, or Queen? Are you are you asking considered the greatest in my opinion or in like objective objectively? Ooh, objectively. Objectively, of those three, which of those? I would imagine if I think even Rob would agree, those are kind of the titans of considered the greatest bands of all time. Like that's fair. That's fair. Between albums sold, cultural impact, legacy. I think personally, I would put Pink Floyd in the category of titans as well. Maybe. Um, hmm. Out of the three that you posed to me, though, this Pink Floyd, like you can play Sgt. Pepper, and people will know what that is. Even if mm-hmm. they never heard, if they don't know who the Beatles are, they will know that. Uh, Queen. Queen has like three. I think about Queen, more people know Queen from sporting events than they do from anything else. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. You turn on any sort of classic rock, you will get Led Zeppelin within an hour. Yes. Does Pink Floyd have that same level? I I would say so. Um, I think Pink Floyd, you know, over the years maybe has begun to cater to a more specific group than these other bands have, kind of, you know, just where history has taken them through the mainstream and not. Um, But Dark Side of the Moon, I think there's, you know, Time, that's a very famous song. I think Dark Side of the Moon is one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Um, You know, so that makes me think of putting them up there with the Titans. Uh, And, you know, they, they were big in the day. In terms of history and where we are now, the three that you said might be a little more appropriate, but I would say, you know, maybe that swap would be Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. But that's a tough one. That's an interesting question in and of its own uh, in and of its own right. But of the three that you posed to me, you know what? I it's it's tough. It's tough for me to say objectively because I feel like I am biased. But I'm going to go with the Beatles. I think that. Led Zeppelin and Queen, while they were, you know, just major musicians and had, you know, impact that was as big, you know, musically as the Beatles, maybe not mainstream as the Beatles, um, they they weren't as, you know, kind of honed in on the pure creativity, if that makes any sense. I think the Beatles literally came together and they wanted to create Whereas, you know, Queen was more like, we want the audience to be involved in music. And there's like this big purpose for our music. And Led Zeppelin, you know, kind of had something similar, but was a little harder about it. The Beatles, I think, you know, 
bolstered by the fact that they became a solely studio band for years. They didn't play concerts until that rooftop, you know, unannounced concert at the end of their their career when they were recording Let It Be. All they wanted to do was create. And I think, in my opinion, any group of people that all they care about is creation, not how it's received, not how this, that, the other thing, they just care about their product. That is what I think gets the title of best artist or best musician or best band. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. What would you say, Zach? Uh, here's my answer. You know what? There's, that is... <laughs> That's good. Okay. Okay. Right on. I'm so, not allowed. I'm not allowed to answer questions on um, being objective about quality of music. I'm. I'm just not allowed. I'm kind of like outside. There. There's like a bouncer. Imagine like a nightclub. I'm just not allowed in. <laughs> oh man, I would put you on the list, Zach. I would put you on the list. I wouldn't want to be on the list. If I was making a list, I wouldn't put myself on it. So if the bouncer, so let's say you're like right, you're first in line outside that velvet rope. And the bouncer is like, he has his little earpiece and he like puts his hand to it. You know, he's getting a message and he's like, you, Zach, you're okay. You can come in. And he lifts the velvet rope up and you go, no, I'm good. And you take the velvet <laughs> rope from his hand and you like close the line again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're like, That's no, exactly I'm going right. to stand out here a little bit longer. <laughs> and you're just there. You're like, you, you can go in front of me. Like all these this people. Waving people, waving people ahead of me. It's a- <laughs> I don't deny it, folks. I have a warped taste in music. No, that's good. That's good. I like it. I dig it, Zach. Okay. So that was a that was a good question. Any other any other Beatles questions or Beatles related music questions we got as we're deep into this visual album? You know, are are we just should we jump into this visual album that actually makes some sense, maybe? <laughs> Man. I mean uh, relative to Odd Sack and and Endless. Should we get into like our Beatles history or now be our transition into uh-huh. the actual uh, visual. I don't know if you want to call it. I think I think it's a film. It's it's. I don't think it's a visual album. I think. You know it's, what I was I was actually thinking something similar as well. My <laughs> first experience with the Beatles, I had no idea who the Beatles were. Again, I might have heard a song offhand once, but in the summer of two thousand one, this is. I was visiting my my used to live in Florida. I visited my grandmother in upstate New York, the Catskills. And my grandmother did not have cable. All she had was about, I think, four channels. She had your broadcast network, so there really was nothing. And I think PBS. So, and plus, she always taped her soaps when all my like favorite like cartoon, not cartoons, but like my PBS shows were on. So there really was never anything for me to watch because just basically it was a house. Other than just like wandering around, you couldn't do much, especially for a eight year old. I was eight, yeah, right, two thousand one, okay. eight years old. And so, but in town, which was like a 15-minute drive, there was a movie rental place. Everybody knows movie rental places. Again, no blockbuster, nothing like that. It was like a little, a little strip mall. And it had a couple things. I think it had like a, like a liquor store, had a rental movie place, like an abandoned shop, right? It, like it had a James Way. And so one day, like the James Way had, like it was, it was like, a, for people who don't know, James Way was like a, a Kmart. Like that's kind of what, like, or... At the time, like they got put out of business by Walmart, okay. but they're essentially kind of like what Kmart is now. And they had like, and but they had like, it was like they had older toys. They had like toys that like 
then they weren't like old old but they weren't new there was stuff that was like a year old and, like i guess like the walmarts and stuff couldn't sell mm-hmm. or like the weird like sam goodies and like fyes couldn't sell so they'd get it too and so like i we I, I go through there and i remember that my favorite item i ever got from here was uh the titanic board game which rob infamously oh. knows that's where <laughs> yeah. i got the titanic board game <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff they had. This James Way, they had Titanic war games. Did we play that once? We played that. I mean, once. I'm sorry. Did we play that point eight of a time? <laughs> it's an insanely long game. Like if anybody thinks like Monopoly is long, the Titanic board game is just like insane. Just like co- like collect different pieces and then like escape to a lifeboat. Um, I'm still waiting for the 911 board game. We'll get to did that we, one day. Did we finish? The game we played? No, it's it's much like yeah, the tool song that's playing in 2008. <laughs> it just never ended. <laughs> so so James White, so like they have a bunch of like toys and stuff. And so I remember like one day I, we were walking down the aisles and they had like Beatles Yellow Submarine like action figures. Nice. And like and like what the and the ones I saw were um, them as Sergeant Pepper. Like, it, mm-hmm. like if, if you go online, look, they made a ton of toys for this. Like I think it was McFarlane in the early 2000s. Like they made obviously. Ringo, Paul, John, George, they, like the Blue Meanies. But the, one, the only ones they had left were the Sgt. Pepper incarnations of the characters. Okay. And for some reason, little old eight-year-old me was just blown away by this. <laughs> and I, I wanted the whole set of Sgt. Pepper. Don't know why. I have no idea why. I, I had not seen the movie. <laughs> had not okay. seen the movie, but for some reason, I wanted these. Mm-hmm. And so my, for some reason, my mother bought them all for me. Don't know why. Bought them all for me, and like they weren't even like they didn't have much articulation. They're kind of they're more or less just sat there, I think, because they had their instruments. You could like position, Paul, I guess, Paul with the flute, uh, John with the trombone, uh, Ringo with the um, oh my lord horn, sure. And, and what George George has the tuba, right? I think so. Oh right. So you have you have all that, and so at that point it was like because we rented a lot of movies from the the movie place. Mm-hmm. And so after I bought the action figures, it was like, oh, like we were walking up and down the aisles. And, and I think I don't know if it was my mother or it was my grandma. It's like, oh, this is the movie that your toys are based off of. And they rented the movie for me. And I watched it. And I've never had such horrible nightmares in my life. <laughs> like this is like, like there's only a handful of things that truly and utterly terrified me as a child. Okay. I can count them all on one hand. This was one of those like defining moments. Oh, interesting. Like, terrified. I I think we hinted about it, or I spoke a little bit to it in the Fantastic Planet episode, Mm -hmm. but this just scared the bejesus out of me. That's not even overstating it. That, it just, it freaked me out to the point where all the toys went in a plastic bag, (laughs) were tied up, and I'm pretty sure they're still in the plastic bag they were put in in 2001. Okay. I still have them. They're somewhere. Like, every once in a while, one of their instruments turns up. <laughs> but I, I, they went in the plastic bag and they never came out. I thought you were gonna say every once in a while an instrument turns up and you have like a panic attack and, <laughs> and you and you buy a bigger safe for them. <laughs> if only. Uh, so no, I, I never, I never watched it again until mm. 2009 when the Beatles rock band Hoopla and I really like, and that was the. The, that was our senior year of high school, Rob and I, where I really got into the Beatles. I, at that Christmas, I got like all the albums on CD. Um, there's an infamous Sal and I Health Project where there's a lot of Beatles music and like Beatles Yellow Submarine stuff spliced into it. That and that's kind of it. Like I, I, I rewatched it then, and I rewatched it for this. So I've only seen it three times. Okay, okay, three uh, times ever. Yeah, how many? I, 
How many I, nightmares did it give you this time you watched it for this recording? Uh, not that many, but to be fair, <laughs> uh, I, I watched it today, so there, we'll, we'll, we'll report back on a later episode how many nightmares it gave me after the fact. Did you watch it on your tablet in, like, bright daylight with the brightness no. on your tablet all the way down? <laughs> no, I, no, but it might have helped a little bit. <laughs> it might, if I only had access to that sort of thing in 2001, it might have helped a little. Okay. So yeah, that's that's kind of my entire history with the Beatles in a nutshell. Okay. So you've only so you've only seen this three times. I've seen it at least once, at least twice. That's what I'm ready to say. So my history with the Yellow Submarine, the movie, the visual album, and the Beatles themselves are very very separate. Uh, the first time I can actually remember, like choosing to sit down and watch the Yellow Submarine was in 2011, when I was in my undergrad. I don't remember ever watching it before that, even when Zach and I were into the Beatles rock band and, you know, all that stuff. Like, I I only listened to the music. I loved the music. I've had the album Yellow Submarine forever since my parents had it. But, you know, I really never watched this visual album. And it just kind of so happened... That, you know, I mean, Zach, you, you kind of know how it is, right? You go off to college, you get it with a bad group of people. They're like, hey, you want to take hallucinogenics and watch the Yellow Submarine? You say yes. That's just like the way it goes. So so that's what happened. The time I, I watched this the first time, I was on some hallucinogenics. And the second, the third, maybe, so on and so on. This happened a few times in my undergrad. That's what I'm trying to say. We would get intoxicated in some way, and we would watch Yellow Submarine. We would not remember anything about it after watching it. And when I sat down to watch it, you know, maybe two, three days ago for this to prepare for this recording, it once again was like I was watching it for the first time. I still don't know if I have, like, a complete grasp on what is going on or what happened in this movie, I think that like little filter in your brain that converts short-term to long-term memories, like I've just installed a block in there that's like, no, like no yellow submarine. You don't get to remember things that happened in this movie. So that's, that's why I wanted you to go first, Zach, because I would like to lead right into yellow submarine by saying that I've seen it many times, but I have no goddamn clue what happens in it. Did you expect that? The hallucinogenics part, yeah, I can I, I can kind of, I can see that coming from a while yes, that's away. a that's a very uh, stereotypical hippie thing. Well, that's I well, that's what... I I could never remember watching it. Like like we would sit down to watch it and be like, didn't we do this last time? And be like, I think we did. One of my friends actually went so far as to say he thought it was different every time, and I was like, that's some crazy shit right there. <laughs> Well, that's okay. As I okay, because it's funny. Rob's watched this many times; he can't remember it. I've watched it three times and remember it very well. Yes, that's pretty okay. Cool. I okay, so now we'll get into it a little bit. And just a little bit of background, like how I, like the reason why Ringo is my favorite is that I grew up with Thomas the Tank Engine. So, uh -oh. like, any, like, like in all honesty, Ringo will always be Mister Conductor in the narrator before <laughs> he, like, he was always Mister Conductor before he was a Beatle to me. Thomas is a tank engine who lives at a big station on the island of Sodor. He's a cheeky little engine with six small wheels, a short stumpy funnel, a short stumpy boiler, and a short stumpy dome. 
He's a fussy little engine too, always pulling coaches about ready for the big engines to take on long journeys. And when trains come in, he pulls the empty coaches away so that the big engines can go and rest. Thomas thinks no engine works as hard as he does. Sir Richard he loves Starkey. playing tricks on them. <laughs> yeah, Sir Richard Starkey <laughs> was, was always Mr. Conductor. Much like George Carlin. Like George Carlin, like, you know, I love George Carlin as a comedian. He will always be Mr. Conductor first. Okay. Like, that, that's okay. just how I was introduced to him. And so, like, people will say, like, if I had, like, one of those, um, oh, God, what do they call it, word association test? Yeah. People were like, Ringo, it'd be Conductor. It, that's what it would be. It would not be Beetle. Which I think gotcha. there's probably only a handful of people on the face of this earth that would associate him with that before obviously his uh, Beatles career. Absolutely. Um, but no, getting back, getting back to the yellow submarine. So before we get into the film, I have to, as I was watching this again, I've only seen it three times. First time, massive impact. Second time, not as big, but obviously the fact it was used in school projects. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to use any Beatles music or we'll be sued instantly the moment we, we put a clip in? You know what? I was thinking about that as well. I feel like, we we gotta be able to just put in the entire song every time we reference a song. So all the top fives that we did before, all the things that we're talking about now and the rest of this podcast, we're gonna play the whole song when we mention it. So I think Hey Bulldog, it's it's going again right there. There's another another version. We're playing it again right there. I think we played that like six times now, so we're good. How do we want to go about this, Zach? How do we want to go about this? All right, my thoughts on it. Like I said, I was freaked out by it as a child, inspired by it in the second viewing. Third viewing, I watched this. I found it painfully mediocre. Mm, okay. I was. I found this, especially after Fantastic Planet, and after like knowing so much about much more about Monty Python. You know, this came I think before Monty Python. It just, I don't know. I was watching this, and I'm like, oh, this is the movie that freaked me out. And you know, I see why it did. Like, I forgot how little the blue meanings were in it. Mm-hmm. There may be it for, what, like, five minutes total? Like beginning, like, beginning and end, almost, I would say. Yeah, they don't have a large role in it. Oh, yeah, by the way, the blue meanings are the part that freaked me out the most. Okay, okay. Which isn't surprising. Not and the Beatles? You weren't having that No, I was, not freaked out. I was not freaked out by the Beatles. And one of the things that did disappoint me about this, like, in, like when I watched it a lot in 2009, mm-hmm. was the fact that the Beatles don't voice the characters. Yep. Yep. That's so like you hear about that, and that's kind of like one of those things. It's kind of like when you find out that the monkeys didn't write their own songs. It just kind of devastates yeah. you for a while. Yeah, it is like, a bummer. It's like and the only reason why is because clearly somebody bought the I guess the film animation rights to the Beatles mm-hmm. or licensed them, and that's just what it was. It, I would imagine they would have done the voice, but probably would have cost an insane amount of money. Yes, uh, from from the. You know, not really research, I would say, but kind of just my understanding of, you know, back talking about this with other people. Uh, the Beatles were basically supposed to do their own voices, um, but because of financial reasons, contractual reasons, and the Beatles themselves being unhappy with the performance of the previous visual visual album or film, which was Help, that they decided not to do their voices. Or, you know, it just didn't work out in the long run, so they got other people uh, to provide them. Of course, you know, we, we get the 
for anyone that hasn't seen Yellow Submarine, we get the Beatles' actual songs. It's not like these voice actors perform the songs either. <laughs> well, except at one part, at one point, one of the voice actors talks over one of the songs. Oh, oh yeah, they definitely do a little bit of that stuff. But you know, the I would say the bass soundtrack is certainly the Beatles. Thankfully, <laughs> could you give me? With everything I told you about my experience of this movie and not knowing, having the mental block with it, could you give me a plot summary? Uh, do you have a do you have a grasp yeah, on the plot? Is there a plot? Yeah, there's a plot. How many uh, vampires die in this one? Not enough. <laughs> oh, it doesn't increase. Okay. No, unfortunately. <laughs> plot synopsis: There's Pepperland. The Blue Meanies live on the fringes of Pepperland. They attack Pepperland, where it's kind of like a. 1960s era cart- British cartoon okay. village. Music is this big thing. They attack it while Captain Fred goes off like, trying to like get help from the Blue Meanies that are attacking Pepperland. Mm-hmm. He searches far and wide. He comes across what I'm guessing is London or uh, I'm guessing it's some British town. Okay. Where he finds like this house which has like a bunch of like Scooby-Doo-esque like corridors and doors where creatures run in and out of them. Captain Fred finds first Ringo, which I find funny the fact that Ringo is the first Beatle he finds. Yeah. Uh, they find John Lennon, who for some reason is Frankenstein at some point. Mm-hmm. Then they find George and they find Paul. And then as they try to get, make their way back to Pepperland, they encounter all these strange and fantastic worlds where they enter, uh, where they first meet uh, Jeremy Hillary Boob Fudd. <laughs> who's a nowhere man who lives in nowhere and they go back and like one thing about this movie i'm trying to think it's like it has like three or four different endings where i think like oh it's gonna wrap itself up here no it's still going oh they're gonna wrap it up here nope it's still going and while the meanies are or the yeah the blue meanies are occupying pepperland they are told by captain fred and the mayor that they have to uh what's the word dress up or be imposters of the Sergeant Pepper's band. Okay. And they do that and they play the music numerous times to like break the meanies hold on Pepperland. It mm-hmm. takes about like what, three or four songs. They first do Sergeant Pepper. They do Hey Bulldog. The third one is what? Uh, it's all too much. Uh, all too much is near the end. Okay. This is uh, the third one. I forget. What so it is, they though. do, um, they do a little bit of Baby or Rich Man and full version of All You Need Is Love. Yes, All You Need Is Love. Yeah, I forgot about that. All you need is love. <laughs> All you need is love. Love. Okay, but that's kind of the end, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think would, basically. The movie yeah. ends like four times. Yeah, but I would say my, my plot summary from this last viewing would have been um, The Blue Meanies Attack. Uh, apples make people sad, and then the Beatles, and that's it. Like <laughs> you know, like the the first two points on that one, or maybe like the first what fifteen minutes of the movie, yeah. and then the Beatles, and then it's just the Beatles as far as I'm concerned. Like uh, I guess I guess I should say that even though to this to me, like Zach and I have already mentioned, is it really a visual album? It's just more of a film kind of thing. Um, the artwork of this film is a huge deal to me. I love this style of artwork, you know, as I'm sure we talked about in uh, our episode on Fantastic Planet, you know, that kind of two-dimensional artwork where just things are a little abstract. Um, a little? 
yeah, so, I mean, you know, they're somewhat abstract. I think that's a next step up from a little, right? Um, but this is, you know, a huge inspiration to me. I love that type of artwork. Every time I do my own pencil drawings, I do the 2D type of stuff. So this fantastic planet. Also, for anyone interested, see the Adventure Time episode, They Went to the Nightosphere. There is, like, a small excerpt where... Finn and Jake wake up in a dungeon at the start of the episode. They don't know where they are. Jake, like, stretches them out to get a good look at everything. And there is a very extended sequence, maybe, like, a good 25, 30 seconds, where it's just them looking, like, along the landscape and horizon of the Nidosphere, which is this different dimension, like this hellscape. And it's very, very much inspired by uh, Yellow Submarine or and Fantastic Planet, you know, that two-dimensional art style with things kind of moving across and melding together. So I have to say I love the artwork. It's beautiful. Um, it never really scared me. That's always something you run the risk of when you're taking hallucinogenics, you know. I, I, but I don't think the Beatles could ever give me a bad trip because I love their music so much. And I think that's also part of my problem with seeing this as a visual album because I, I really kind of observe or kind of perceive this music as separate from the visual album. In comparison, Endless and Odd Sack, those are visual albums. Like, those visuals go with that music. Here, I could kind of take or leave either one, you know? It's good artwork, it's good music, but they they don't really jive together the greatest for me. They don't. No, because it's a soundtrack. They just picked songs from the catalog and just put them into the movie. Yeah, even some of the transitions, you know, when they go from scene to song, they're very jarring. You know, it's like you, you kind of, you have to hear that transition from the non-Beatles to the Beatles' voice, and the Beatles songs are upbeat and they pick up, you know, there isn't really a fade in. It's just kind of like a Beatles song starts and you're just so, oh boy, I'm well, ready a, for it. I can hear it's a, song. It, it's a needle drop, essentially. It's just, it yeah. just starts. Yes, yes. And I think that is to its detriment. Whereas, you know, Frank Ocean, Endless, and Oddsack, we get those transitions and we kind of get that downtime where you still kind of realize you're in a song. You might not know which song it is, but you're still getting that audio feel. And this is just, like, it's two different levels. It's 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 a little, like I said, jarring sometimes. Well, I think we're looking at this in a different in a way, maybe not uh, correctly, is that uh, even though I wasn't too thrilled with either one of those, I think mm -hmm. those Endless and Odd Sack both stem from a creative, artistic space where I think this was a commercial endeavor. That's like, a I th great point. This, this, was, point. this was here not as a way to... A show off anybody's animation it was here to make money it was a product it was night this is what released 1968 yep 1968 oh. july 17th so we oh, uh, snap almost 50 years or yeah we are years. in a we aren't too too far away from that anniversary well 50 year anniversary we're just hitting our strides akira this <laughs> another movie that we'll be discussing in a few uh weeks Jurassic World Two. <laughs> Jurassic World Two. That's like what, got, three months old. Got it on its. Got it on its real birthday. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Uh, so yeah. So I don't. I don't think this is meant. Okay. Is I, I can. I can. As I was watching this, and Rob already answered it. Well, one of my questions was going to be like, "Oh, is this a much more enjoyable film when you're just blitzed out of your mind?" And I'm going to have to take it as. Not really, because he doesn't. It's really kind of a passive experience. Yeah. So, like, as I was watching this, like, I'm watching. I found it boring. Like, I was not. Again, yes, I do. I don't. I'm not. I don't like the animation. But I think Rob. Again, we can assume the reason why I'm not thrilled with this because it goes back to my childhood. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even though it doesn't upset me now, there is that just le- like what happened with Fantastic Plane. It unnerves me to a certain degree. Yeah. But with this, it doesn't because I know too. I, I know how the sausage is made in this case. Sure. Like I know enough about this. And I remember even when this was released on Blu-ray like a few years ago. I I, I wanted to get the Blu-ray. I figured, oh, it's because I never had never had every time I'd seen it, it would be either on TV, like on like a, a stars or an encore, like late at night, or it was like the VHS I watched in the early two thousands. And as I was watching this, because I got the copy I got a hold of was in HD. And I was watching it, and I'm like, this doesn't do anything for me. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing about this that's noteworthy. Like, if, I was thinking, like, if this did not have the Beatles' name attached to it, this would not be remembered. It would just be 60s animation that's there for stoners. And that's it. You know what? I, I have to completely agree. Because you brought up a good point, you know, talking about Fantastic Planet, or both of us talking about Fantastic Planet. Because... That is something that, you know, kind of has similar scenes to Yellow Submarine in the sense that, you know, maybe for a very quick scene or or, or a small exchange of characters, we get to see some kind of, you know, weird creatures or something like that. Um, But Fantastic Planet is backed up by that great story. It's backed up by that motivation, by that kind of sci-fi aspect. This, like you said, is just kind of that weird hippie stoner thing. It's just like, oh, look at these cool visuals. Mixed with some great songs, it's just an experience. And and to comment on something else you said in there, um, you know, watching it back in undergrad years ago on hallucinogenics, you know, I was watching it with other people. It was an experience more to be like, oh man, we're we're doing you know the classic stoner hippie thing to do. And I'm sure that back then we did the same exact thing that I did on this last viewing. I was just waiting for the next Beatles song to happen. I didn't really care about what was going on with the characters. I just wanted to, like, the best way to put it is from the start of the movie till, you know, pretty much the hour and 15 minute mark. I was just like, I'm ready for Hey Bulldog. I know I get to hear Hey Bulldog. Let's do it. Well, and I just okay. had to wait for that point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, I was, the whole time I was watching this, I'm like, will we be talking about this? 50 years later, if it went for the fact that the Beatles are, it's tied to the yeah. Beatles' history. You're right. You're right. And I don't think we like because even as I was watching, I forgot about a lot of the characters, like Captain Fred, who just mm-hmm. kind of disappears also like two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah. Like, he's, he, he, considering he's our, our main focal point for like an hour, then he disappears. No resolution, just disappears from the movie. And I was like, again, and, and considering that it does have such like a massive part of me like it also ties into my thing with movies like again that's the summer of 2001 was one of those summers where i really my budding of love of movies started to grow sure and it's kind of disappointing you come back to something like this and it's like oh it's kind of like if you were like imagine like there was something that scared you when you were a child like there was like i don't know like a tree in the woods a park you went to once mm-hmm. and you come back to it like 25 years later and you're like oh that's why i was scared of and like the trees is so much smaller than you remembered and again, it has its, like, don't be wrong, this thing has its charm. It's not completely devoid of any sort of spirit. But as I was watching, I could imagine whoever had the idea for this going to, oh God, who was the Beatles manager? George Martin? Was that his yeah, name? Yeah, George, Mar- George Martin. Go, yep. Yeah, going to George Martin, pitching this idea and being like, okay, it's the late 60s. We got the drug culture. We're going to take the Beatles music. I got top notch animators. We're going to sit there. Because it's also a very well, it's well crafted animation. It's not. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. It's, you can tell they're, they're, the money's there on the screen. 
like everything looks great and it's like oh but like you can you can smell uh, you can smell the profit off of it which doesn't yes. mean it's bad like making money off something isn't bad but considering this film does have uh, a reputation of being like oh have you seen the beatles yellow submarine like rob said like the classic stoner thing to do it does have a reputation to it that i don't think it's it deserves it's kind of like a weird mm-hmm. form of like nepotism almost it's this weird sort of just glow. It's just kind of like glow through osmosis it gets by just being near the Beatles. Yes, that I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, it, it's a little bit of a bummer, you know, kind of. I felt that way kind of rewatching this because I, I picked Yellow Submarine, the Beatles. I knew we'd have a lot of great stuff to talk about. But when I sat down and, and watched Yellow Submarine again, I, I think I was coming to this exact conclusion. I was like, wow. There's not much here. There's not much here to chew on. This is this is a pretty vacuous film. And, you know, even where I look at Odd Sack, I can, I've watched Odd Sack hundreds of times, and I will continue to do so. That has so much more substance to me, even though I think I like this music, the Yellow Submarine soundtrack, better. It's a very interesting dynamic. It's a very, very interesting dynamic. And it's, it's a little bit of a bummer. But you're right. You say, you know, that it has that kind of, you know, it's the selling point is the Beatles. You can sense all of that commercialism around yes. it. Yes. There you go. And, and it just has this kind of cult following. And, you know, maybe, maybe the cult following is just people who keep doing drugs and don't remember it. And they don't remember it, so they don't remember how boring it was. But they're like, hey, this is great music, so let's, when we do drugs, let's watch it again. And, you know, oh. that's just what's kept it alive. Yeah, like, I don't mean to the crap on this entirely. Like, it's not the worst, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But it just, it feels contrived. Like, it feels like somebody sat down with a checklist and was like, okay, how are we going to do this? Yes. And there's imagination, but in character design only. That That's kind of the only place the imagination is. Like, the story is bland. Mm-hmm. For a 90-minute movie, you can feel its length. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, and like, and like Rob said, the music isn't integrated into it that well. I think it would be safe to say that I think Across the Universe integrates its Beatles music into it better than this does. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, I don't think I, we've ever talked about Across the Universe on this podcast before. I've only seen that movie, I think, once. I would say uh, Oddsack and That are the things I've seen most in my life. But you hated Across the Universe in high school. I did. I love it now. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so I know. Weird. My whole, like, my, like, a college changed my perspective on that movie so much. I fucking love that movie. Speaking I like, I, of my fourth favorite Beatles song, Happiness is a Warm Gun, that movie has a fantastic rendition of it. What happened to you, man? What happened, what happened to you in high school, man? You weren't enough of a father figure to me, Zach, and I <laughs> fell in with the wrong crowds. <laughs> like, I sat there, went off to college, and, like, nothing changed. Like, a definition of, like, straight edge. I'm trying to think about, like, uh, an example, like, in, like, a movie where like, somebody goes off to college and they come back and they're... I, only thing I can, the only example I can think of is, like, my dog, Skip, where, like, I think Luke Wilson, like, go, like who's, like, Frankie Nunez's, like, neighbor... Like goes off to like fight. I don't know if it's Vietnam or if it's uh, World War Two. And he's like, he's like happy go lucky. He's like, oh geez, Frankie Nunez, I'm going to fight in the war. <laughs> and he comes back. He's like an alcoholic. He like kicks the dog or something. And like that's what Rob kind of became. Like Rob be like went off. He's like, like G Willikers Batman. And he comes back and he's like 
like oh my lord, like dark and gritty. He's like, <laughs> it's like I, it's like I do drugs off the bathroom floor because Yellow <laughs> Submarine and Otsack. It was that. It was that trip to Canada, Zach. It's that trip to Canada. My next trip to Canada will undo everything. We can only hope. Well, actually, no. I've already been on two trips to Canada, so it should have been undone at this point. So it's gotten worse, what you're saying. Yes. So maybe I shouldn't go to Canada No, anymore. no more. No, no, more no, no. Maybe Canada Zach and I should go to Canada together. Absolutely not. Yeah, Zach. Okay, Zach and I are going to do a special episode from Kelowna next, next <laughs> season. Okay, next you ready, season? Zach? Yeah, no, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of. Because I was about to say next week, but I don't think we go to Kelowna that quickly. No, we're not that. We have to book our flight. Uh, yeah, so again, like going through this, like even I'm surprised how certain, again, considering how we already discussed, like how much the Beatles have resonated through pop culture even to this day. Um, mm-hmm. day. Speaking of which, going back to the Pink Floyd question, I was yeah. think it was Target the other day, and I think I saw like a toddler's Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon like t shirt. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, infant okay. wear. What if and where exists, definitely. <laughs> well, two questions with that. One, how many mothers that are in their early 20s to like late 30s are buying their toddlers Pink Floyd t shirts? And two, why is there no like Abbey Road, like Abbey Road equivalent of that? Or like, I'm trying to another example. You're the music guy. Why uh, is there no ACDC. other... ACDC would be another good... Would that like be a, one? Yeah, like a black onesie that has the good old ACDC, you know, logo with the lightning bolt in between. Not, but I'm not talking onesie. I'm talking about, like, again, you're thinking toddler. Like, like a onesie is something you put your baby in, and more or less only the parents will see the baby in the onesie. Like, if you're going <laughs> to, like, a wedding, you don't bring the baby wearing the ACDC onesie. <laughs> but, like, but like if you're put like, like a toddler like you bring your toddler to places like toddlers go to preschool mm-hmm. and like dressing your kid in a like pink floyd t-shirt and this is also not 25 years ago like your parents yeah. Yeah. grew up with pink floyd in their mm-hmm. heyday anybody who's shopping in the toddler section of target did not grow up with pink floyd in their heyday you know, see, but that's what comes to mind is that, like, grandparent effect. Like, that could certainly be. Where I don't think the grandparents buying that, though. I think it's some dumb 27 millennial that probably did a hallucinogenic while they were pregnant is doing that. <laughs> I mean, that could be the case, but I, I really, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if grandparents buy. I, I could see that. That's my only other thing that I could think of, that it would be this, you know, someone thinking it's it's cool or hipster you know get this old band type well of that's thing. but that's what i mean though. I, i'm looking at more under the hipster aspect yeah and that could be it but I, I would not rule out that there's some grandparents looking for that as well yeah but that for a grandparent that's a novelty item it's kind of like buying like like fake dog crap yes hello my grandmother's turning 100 years of age this friday and we want to do something really special for her. And, you know, she's getting on. We don't know how much longer she's going to be. Y'all got fake poo. They don't intend for their grandchild to be wearing that to daycare one day. Like, it's a cute, it's like a cute thing. You, t- you, put, you put it on your kid, you take a picture of it, and you send it to grandma and grandpa. It's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, okay. End. Like, we're like, I, I guess you've seen it before. Like, you'll go to a mall, and you'll see, like, an 11-year-old girl 
wearing a a uh, dark like he said a dark side of the moon t-shirt yeah chances yeah, are a- she has never listened to that album before uh, fair i would probably say. doesn't even know what pink floyd is it's just mm-hmm. it's in the hot topic they bought it because it's just you know what they probably she probably saw another girl in her school wearing it sure yeah i could totally get behind that Absolutely. and, and this, this is my second thing you don't really see that with any other like old school ba- okay i don't want to say old school but okay rob you're a mr music person is there a name that we give bands of that era the Beatles, the Led Zeppelins, the Queens, the Stones, AC. Is there like a name for that era of just like, are we, I, I would imagine the Stones and ACDC were after the Beatles. Uh, probably so yes, is Queen. They were, but. Um, is there a name, like, do we call it like the legacy years of rock and roll? Like, is there a name that we give that time period? So the Beatles time period, I'm not too sure. Because, you know, Beatles time period, when the Beatles were a studio band, you're also looking at like the rise of Bowie and a lot of those British artists that yeah, were you know, yeah. yeah trying to get on that but in terms of the stones queen zeppelin i would cons- eagles acdc i would kind of say that people consider that all classic rock classic rock okay. i don't know if you would lump like say sergeant peppers or yellow submarine those albums into classic rock well think the- about okay this goes back to our beatles discussion is that i mm-hmm. think Sergeant Pepper and uh, I don't even want to call it Yellow Submarine essentially like an original original soundtrack. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, it yeah. barely counts. Yeah, as part of the Beatles discography. So but, so we're talking you know, like late Beatles is like Sergeant Pepper's Magical Mystery Tour. Everything post Sergeant Pepper, like you said, when they became a studio band, sure, not a, yeah. not a live band anymore. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was kind of that was def- that was defining of music at the time. So maybe there's not. It's kind of like the beginning of it all. You you mean, like, when, you talk, when they you, like became a studio band? No, but I mean music at large. Oh, like, I, I think oh, even sure. you would admit that, like, when you look at like music in the modern, like in the ninth or the twentieth century, you have before the Beatles and after the Beatles. <gasps> it was kind yeah. of. Am I wrong in saying <laughs> that? That it was a defining. It beyond. It's a defining mu- a defining moment in music in the culture. Absolutely yes. Yeah, so I, I, I would even go so far to say as. Uh, before the Beatles was just the blues. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, you really don't. I mean, the Beatles redefined how we look at music. Yes. And how entertainment impressed itself on cult on the culture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, but but going back to the second part of my thing is that like the the Beatles and this Yellow Submarine's resonance. Like, like I said, going through Target, you will see a toddler Pink Floyd T-shirt. But I, I I'm not sure. As time goes on. I'm seeing less and less of Beatles merchandise. You know what? I I would have to agree with you. Now, I don't I'm not like out at the malls as frequently as Zach is. Like I think Zach is just a mall rat, like he just lives at the hot topic. I think exactly. that's accurate. I think that's accurate. So he might be more uh, up into like what the uh the current fashion is that the stores are selling, but my only gauge for this is really what clothes I see my students wear. Because every okay. year I get older, but my students don't. So, this right, is insert, an insert the Matthew McConaughey clip here. No, man. No, man. I tell you. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> so, uh, the thing that I have to say is that I, I would agree. Maybe one or two times. 
in my teaching career, you know, like the four total school years I've taught classes, so eight classes total, I've seen maybe one or two Beatles shirts. I've definitely seen some Dark Side of the Moon shirts. I've definitely seen some ACDC shirts. But you know what surprises me? The thing that I've been starting to see more and more frequently, which actually surprises me, is I'm seeing kind of, you know, the retro metal shirts. So some Iron Maiden, some Megadeth. Um, not this isn't retro, but I see it every now and then. Some good old Disturbed shirts, um, Slipknot. I see every now and then. You know, kind of te- like the sleeves ripped off, kind of tattered look. Uh, and also, maybe not retro. Definitely not retro. More with the times. I see Twenty One Pilots shirts, hats, stuff like that all the time. Um, but you're right, Zach. Beatles are kind of on the decline. Well, that's, and that's and that's what I'm getting the feeling with even like this movie, for example. And maybe this is kind of like indicative of a because again, we we are millennials, on we are the mm-hmm. scourge of the scourge of the planet. <laughs> in that, like, even though like we don't think this movie's that great, we we can at least appreciate the Beatles. Like, I remember yeah. telling people I, this was more in high school, not in college. I didn't, I really didn't talk about the Beatles much in college, but I remember like I again telling stupid high school kids like just because you don't like something doesn't mean you can't appreciate it for what it is exactly and i feel that's kind of what's happening to the beatles right now um like in 20 years you're gonna lose an entire generation that was the ground floor of the beatles fan base fandom Mm -hmm. and after that i'm really curious what's going to happen to the legacy of the beatles because this is my best way of doing it's kind of like citizen kane Okay. Citizen Kane is considered, and I think even Rob knows this, to be the greatest American film ever made. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen it once. And as I watched it, and, and I've seen I've seen bits and parts of it again, different like video essays I've watched and things here and there. Mm-hmm. Even though Citizen Kane is not my favorite film of all time, which I don't think it's a favorite film of a lot of people, most uh, whether it be film historians or uh, students of film will recognize that it is the best American film because of the craftsmanship that went into it. Sure. And I feel what's going on currently with the new generation, us included, maybe even uh, Generation Xers to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. is that people aren't able to differentiate craftsmanship from their own personal taste. Yes, I would agree with that. Absolutely. I don't like something that makes it objectively bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like lobster. Yeah, I'm never going to say lobster. It's like, oh, that doesn't mean all lobster is horrible. Yep. And I think that's what's going on. And maybe that's what we're doing with, maybe we have our own sort of like uh, filter on with this movie and that we're just not appreciating it for something because we see, we know how the sausage is made. Yeah, maybe. And so we're kind of missing the force through the trees in that sense. We're like, oh, we, and I guess you could say that for any sort of, I would imagine the people who made Fantastic Planet probably would have liked to make a profit on it at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. you, you don't devote years of your life to something solely for the sake of just putting it out into the ether. Mm-hmm. Usually there's some level of commercial aspect to it. And that's the only thing I'm concerned with this. As I was again, as I, I thought about it today, is that maybe there's a level of this that I'm just not seeing entirely through or not seeing enough. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, you kind of are always aware when maybe you think you perceive it in other people, 
but it's great to acknowledge that we can go through it as well, and it is so difficult to know if it's happening or not, you know? Like, are we missing something? That's really kind of what it boils down to. And, you know, you kind of see that, you know, kind of dislike versus complete disregard for craftsmanship or for technique or for anything like that. No, I totally agree. Um, maybe there is something we're missing here. You know, maybe there's something that I, I've kind of blinded myself to with just the circumstances I put myself in when viewing this movie. Um, who knows? And maybe you did something similar when you were young and you watched this movie and it, and it scared you to a certain extent. That's always going to come into play and shape your opinion on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tough thing to to pick up. Your lobster example is interesting. Do you really not like lobster? No, I had lobster once. I guess it, it, I I remember last time lobster was put in front of me. I think it was about four years ago. Okay, and I I, or I knew we were having lobster because someone was mm-hmm. bringing it to our house, and I asked my mother on the way home from work to stop and get me Chinese food. <laughs> someone was giving me free lobsters. And I deliberately said no and ate probably the worst thing you could eat instead. Okay. Well, no, I didn't know that. I see. So I was gonna get. I was actually gonna get Zach a bunch of lobsters for his birthday, but I'll just keep oh, them now. Geez. Now that I know you don't like them, because I love lobster. But to be fair, lobster is an interesting thing. The closest living relative of the lobster on planet Earth. Do you know this one, Zach? Blue meanies. The cockroach. Well, oh, yeah. It is the cockroach of the ocean. And interestingly enough, there are lobsters that we don't eat that look like cockroaches. Yum. Very crazy shit. You go to Asia, you see some nonsense. (laughs) I think we know what's going to be on the Cinemodities menu for Yellow Submarine. Ooh, okay. Is that what we're talking about still, Yellow Submarine? I think so. We (laughs) talked about everything about it. But no, as I was watching this, I really looked at it. I went into it with a... academic lens like i'm like okay, okay i'm put, like again i'm not i'm not afraid of it anymore i know too much about it but and it's, again, i've wanted to rewatch it for years mm-hmm. and as i was watching it because i had a good copy it wasn't grainy it wasn't like something somebody recorded off the the side of like a, a potato or something like that yeah and as i was watching it I'm like it's it's neat to look at but i feel like also it's just imagery for the sake of imagery it's like put like when we watch fantastic planet it's like, oh, everything that's in that film has a purpose. Yes. And with this, it's like, let's just put as much crazy characters as we can on the screen. Yeah, it's and, an interesting it, interesting stance to take for a, a visual album. You know, it, it's... Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Zach. You know, it's I'm weird. Kinda... It's, it's a weird movie. Because, again, you, you, I went into it with one sort of preconceived notion. Mm-hmm. And I walked out saying, oh... This doesn't even get that far. Like yeah. I'm holding it in too high of regard. It doesn't deserve it. And again, the biscuit goes back to the target example. Is that why aren't there uh, Jeremy Hillary boob FUD t-shirts? Like, mm-hmm. think about it. That is a crazy, kooky-looking little character. Yep. And like, I don't know, because another thing, like on top of the McFarlane uh, Sergeant Pepper figures I had, I also have a Hallmark keepsake ornament of the Yellow Submarine. <laughs> I don't oh, know man. why it came out the same year as I saw the movie. And I was scared of the movie. I don't know why I got it, but I'm really glad I have it now. <laughs> and I think, but again, like Rob talked about, like in the t-shirts going back, I guess now we're going to stop talking less about the movie. Maybe just the cultural impact of the Beatles. Yeah. That's it, really like what we have left, you know? Well, I think that's all you have left. Because think about it too, because the Beatles are in a really weird circumstance as a band 
because you're never going to get that. Re- think about it, as of 1980, you're never getting that revival. Mm-hmm. And that, re- that revival dies with John Lennon, who really was as much of a, as an a hole as he was, was kind of the the heart of the Beatles. Like you don't have a, the Beatles without. John oh, absolutely. Lennon. Oh, yes. I would say yeah, him and McCartney. They were the the creative and the driving force. Absolutely. Exactly. And and that's kind of what it comes down to is that you don't in nineteen never mind they didn't really do anything together for a decade mm-hmm. and, and and really the only other sort of I'm trying to think of like another <sighs> Rob's gonna love this in addition to my little like um, what would you call it trio pantheon of the titans of music okay. I guess like I guess I could almost include a fourth in there mm-hmm. you could include you know it's years later I guess you could include ABBA is like a titan of music of just it, again, indelible imprint on music. Maybe not okay. the culture, okay. but I, I guess I, I would imagine. That's another thing too. You, you know, she don't see toddlers running around in ABBA t-shirts. <laughs> we need that, especially with the Mamma Mia movie coming out this summer. We need we need ABBA toddler shirts. Oh my god, there's another Mamma Mia movie. Yeah, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Why, why did I ever let you go, Mamma Mia? Here I go again. Let's get the party started, Grandma. You weren't invited. That's the best kind of party, little girl. I should not have let you go. Oh my god. I didn't even see the first one. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Mama Mia, here we go again. I didn't even hear we go once. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's just an interesting thing, though. Like you have these bands that have this huge impact on the culture of their time, mm-hmm. and yet they disappear. Yeah, like, like not in yeah. the sense, like no, like don't get me wrong. Like, I would imagine Beatles music sells probably m- millions of dollars every single year, but again, you do not see. And I know Rob was talking about like hot topic. I'm not when you. I'm, when I'm talking about seeing banned merchandise. I'm not talking about like hot topic is devoted to that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about okay. Target. Like you could go to Target, and there'll still be like in the men's graphic tee section, or I guess it's like almost like unisex now. Yeah. It's like a thing now. It's like it's like not even like it used to be like men's graphic tees. Now it's just like unisex. Yeah, like right. like in Sears too, right? And JC Penny. Yeah, it's like I, I know like with JC Penny, they put them. They put like the. I remember once like going near like the when I get my Star Wars T-shirts, they put them like right next to like the women's department, or I guess okay. the, like like millennial women's section. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, like am I supposed to like am I in the wrong section? And it's like <laughs> no, like like a lot of the stuff is just made now, so like anybody can wear it. It's not made with like anybody specifically in mind. Like okay. the sleeves, I know like women's t-shirts like the sleeves sometimes are cut a little bit shorter than a man's like t-shirt. Yeah. And that, but again, going back to like Target and stuff, I like, that's what I'm talking about. The JC Pennies, the Targets, the Sears to a less degree. Nobody shops at Sears anymore for for, for apparel. You only go to Sears <laughs> if I guess you get lost going to like Coles. And, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and and so like that's what i'm talking about. i'm not talking about hot, like you go to hot topic you'll find a sex pistols t-shirt you're not going to find a sex pistols t-shirt at kohl's okay yeah i see what you're saying Absolutely. and that's what i mean though. like and, and as time goes on i remember you could go to like i remember back when i was in college you would go to target and you'd have at least two or three different beatles t-shirts like you'd have the sergeant pepper You'd have like another one, maybe like the rooftop concert or Abbey Road. Then you have like maybe like something from like the Twist and Shout era. Let it, I it, see the uh, the artwork, album artwork of Let It Be, which is just yeah. a picture of the four Beatles faces. I've seen that. I've been seeing that on T-shirts for years until recently. So I totally that's, see what you're saying, Zach. Yeah, and that's what I mean, though. It's like that. I feel like there is a 
cultural diminishment to the Beatles, and especially now that like Ringo and I know Paul McCartney's all over the place mm-hmm. still. But Paul, McC- I think I remember Robin High School used to joke that Paul McCartney's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame what three times? Yeah, it's something ridiculous. So you know what is it? After the fact, he got in with the Beatles, and then he got his solo career, and then he got his Wings. Yeah, so I think he he's in there like the most out of anybody, or, or tied for the most out of anybody. Yeah, and I think that's part of it, though. It's like Paul, it's hard to like. You look at Paul McCartney's career, and it's like, oh my god, like the like, the Beatles was just the beginning for him. Yes, oh, and yeah. so and so in a weird way, you know, you have probably the second most prominent Beatles still living. That's probably the one of the least interesting things he ever did as an artist. <laughs> like, that's weird to say. I think about it. probably I would imagine in the history of mankind, there's maybe three other people that have lived a, a life like Paul McCartney has. Mm-hmm. And, and he, again, he, you know, he, I would imagine he signs off on any check that that or any sort of thing that wants his approval for money. He doesn't say no. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of like oh. Like I think like, Rob says he has like what the yellow submarine Lego kit. Yeah, yeah, that was that's a, not that's like two years old, one and a half years old now. That was pretty recent. But, but that was another one where like that wasn't released to like Toys R Us and Target. That mm-hmm. was like a Lego store exclusive for like ninety dollars yep. because they felt like on top of the fact that obviously they're probably spending an insane amount of money on the license. Yeah. And then two, they probably figured it wasn't going to sell well outside of that like niche music and Lego fan base. Yeah, they just needed you know a product. Whatever their research, whatever research market research they did, just said, "Hey, there's there's something to tap here. If we make a little Lego Beatles and throw them in a little Lego submarine, people will buy it." But again, I think the key word is niche. Yes, absolutely. And and if you ask somebody who lived during Beatles mania that there would come a time point where the Beatles would be considered niche, it would be unfathomable. Yeah, that's yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. Yeah, think about it. The Beatles could not play, Rob knows the story, but they couldn't put their music loud enough in Shea Stadium because of the screaming. Mm-hmm. It's like, like again, it's, it's, it's almost, it's a contradiction. Yeah, that, you're, you're bringing up some good points. I, know, I don't think I've ever really thought about this because, you know, the Beatles will always be the Beatles to me. I will always forever love their music, you know, and, and have my, my f- top five and all that stuff. But it's not like they're going to stay around forever. It, w- it will reach a point, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but I am sure one day I'm going to be like standing in front of a room full of students and I'm going to mention some Beatles thing and they're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. And now that's horror right there. <laughs> and well, I, I and this is why I think why I'm thinking of it this way. It's kind of like what's happening with Star Wars is that Star Wars has been described as the largest cult following ever. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening now, and like we're obviously, who knows? Disney might buy the Beatles catalog in there. Oh god! Their, like who knows? <laughs> I don't know how that would work. The Beatles, Disney. Well, it's funny. There is a Disney Beatles story that we'll get into in a couple of minutes. Do you think Pixar is going to be the ones to finally remake Yellow Submarine? Well, we'll, we'll get into the remake stuff. Okay, we'll we'll okay, get into that. Okay. But excited. I think, but my example is that with Star Wars, like again, the Star Wars fans, and there are Beatles fans. Like, I don't, by, by saying something's niche doesn't mean that it's like, uh, oh god, infinitesimally Minor. small. Yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. that it's, it's very small. It just means that it's 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 a fan base, but it's not the largest. It's not uh, the zeitgeist anymore at, at large. And it's what's yes. kind of happening with Star Wars, where you have the Star Wars diehards that eat, sleep, and 
drink this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have something like Solo comes out, and it bombs. Yeah. And the Star Wars fan base goes, what? what? And it's like, oh, these things that were monoliths in the culture, are monolithic in the culture, can die. Absolutely. And that's, and I feel that's what's happening. Like even with the Beatles rock band, I remember when they released the DLC. They did uh, Sergeant Pepper. Oh God, uh, Revolver? Maybe not. I don't know. I forget. Like the whole album? No, they didn't do Revolver. Oh, um, my that's my favorite Beatles album. They did. They did um, Abbey Road, Sergeant Pepper, and Rubber Soul. That's what it was. Oh, it wasn't okay. Revolver. Uh, and they always said, like, I remember they asked, I forget who it was, they're like, oh, are we going to get like all the albums? And their response was, oh, depending on how these three sell, we'll do more. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, we never got the other albums. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and that's part of it, too. I know Beatles Rock Band, it sold decent, but it didn't sell as well as they would have liked. Yeah. Could that have been attributed to the fact that like the plastic guitar games were going downhill at that time? They'd reached oversaturation? Definitely. Maybe. <laughs> probably. But at the same time, though, are the youngins, is that what they're looking for? Exactly. Are the youngins looking to sit there, replicate the experience of a band that had their heyday 40 years earlier? Yeah. Probably not. No, you're exactly right. You know, what they wanted was what we got. Remember fucking Band Hero? That had a Taylor Swift song? That had all this pop music? Yeah. I'm not saying, no, it's a Guitar Hero game, it's a Guitar Hero game, I will forever love it, but that, that was what they were trying to do, of course, no, none of the kids wanted to play the Beatles music, they wanted to play today's music, and they wanted it to be easy, and that's what Band Hero was, but still, those games were dying out, and it couldn't recover, but that, they tried, you know, they tried. They tried. So, yeah, that's, that's my thought, and this goes, and this now ties into the the remake they tried to do in the early 2010s of the Yellow Submarine. Okay. Where if you if you read the I remember when that was I remember for years back in once I got back into the Beatles in 2000 like reading stories like oh there's gonna be like a remake it's gonna be the like weird Robert Zemeckis <laughs> animation that kind of looks like real people but doesn't yeah. And I remember like following that because there was like this one graphic that was around forever. It was like a CGI rendition of the Yellow Submarine, and I think it said like coming soon or something like that. Mm-hmm. And f- I remember like reading in 2009 saying like uh, something like Zemeckis like, "Oh, we hope we can get this out for the 2012 London Summer Olympics." Oh, and I remember okay. reading that. It was like, "Oh, okay, cool. I'd like to see that." I remember even like I, they announced the voice cast of who was going to be doing the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I think there's only like one or two names on that list that actually rang a bell okay. at the time. They probably would. I don't know now if I looked into it if I'd recognize the name still. And I remember, like, okay, cool. Like, I, I, it's supposed to be, this was right, like, before the boom of 3D. Because mm. everybody forgets that Robert Zemeckis was doing 3D before Jimmy C. With, oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, A What's Christmas that? Carol, the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol movie. Yes, that's right. I remember that, like, that was, that was a, a fairly big deal from the commercials and stuff. They were trying to push that, I remember. Well, the sad thing was it came out right before the movie that, that was the seismic <laughs> Impact of 3D. Exactly. That was the problem. Talk about coming to the party five minutes early. Uh, And so he was going to do that. And so it was one of those things where, much like other things, you'd hear stories about it. Like, oh, like is there is there work happening on it? It's like Robert Zemeckis would talk about it every like Mm -hmm. six months. And then in 2011, 
his film Mars Needs Moms came out. Oh God! Um, colossal bomb. That that is a cinematic. Mars Needs Moms. Maybe one day will be on the cinematic's discussion. I think I've, I think I've seen it. I've never seen it. I've seen clips of it. It is uh, is it, it's scary. Uh, the Uncanny <laughs> Valley is horrifying in that. Okay. Film. And that movie did so horribly bad. I think it had like a budget of 150 million. Never mind uh, advertising. Mm-hmm. And it grossed like maybe 60 million, like worldwide. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. And it doomed Yellow Submarine. Oh, gotcha. It tor- it torpedoed Yellow Submarine. <laughs> and we never. Like I don't. And there's. I know some. Every once in a while, something leaks out of that because I knew they were working on it. Mm-hmm. And I think the last thing I saw there was a 3D. Oh God. Uh, I don't know what's called animation where they sit there like have like the profile, the front. Like, they give like all the different like sides of the character for like oh, the yeah. animators yeah. to use as like uh, a basis for when they're doing things. Yep. Um, Jeremy, Jerry, Jeremy, Hillary, Boob, Fudd. Yeah. And that Nowhere was it. Man. Nowhere Man. And that's kind of where it died. It was like, oh, okay. At the same time, I just wonder, like this thing was all, like, was being worked on for so many years. And then obviously Mars Needs Mom was the excuse to, Put it out of its misery, mm-hmm. and I wonder because this was going to be Disney. Disney was going to back this, much like they did with the Mars Needs Moms and uh, Jim, Jim Carrey A Christmas Carol. Yep, and, I, and they actually canceled uh, Robert Zemeckis's studio's contract with Disney after Mars Needs Moms. <laughs> oh my god! And, and I wonder if if maybe this was the excuse to kill that project, and ah. that maybe Disney was reading the tea leaves and was like, the Beatles aren't popular. It's like we're going to spend $200 million on making this expensive film, never mind licensing the music, which is going to be its own battle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another reason why you don't see a lot of Beatles in the culture, too, is that the licensing cost for their music is so yeah. astronomically high. Oh, yeah. Like, I have to wonder, like, something like, like ever since, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, and now we borrow 60s, 70s, and, era, and 80s era music for everything now, whether it be, mm-hmm. again, Guardians, Suicide Squad, everything now has to borrow that sort of soundtrack. I yep. wonder if the Beatles music wasn't so cost prohibitive, maybe they would be in the in the cultural zeitgeist a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. oh my god, I'm just thinking of the horror show that the music in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was, and they could have replaced a lot of those with Beatles songs, and I would have approved much, much more. <laughs> you have to wonder maybe maybe the music would live on better like there there will come a point where I, when both paul mccartney and ringo Starr are dead and it's gonna be up to the estates of the four yeah beatles yeah. never mind who else has their fingers in the pie deciding like okay like we're gonna have to sit there like, you know we're the beatles and we don't have to sit we do what we want mm-hmm. it's not gonna be like that forever yep absolutely yeah and you know i think that maybe in terms of movies Beatles songs might live on a little bit more as as covers. Maybe that's where we're going, kind of, you know, because maybe we aren't going to get exactly the Beatles song. I know that there's been some commercials over the years where there's been covers of Beatles songs or excerpts of Beatles songs. Maybe that's where they're kind of moving towards because, you know, some of the original Beatles renditions aren't well recognized anymore. I think you got, with a little help from my friends, Sgt. Pepper's, like we talked about, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but, I mean, Twist and Shout, that's been covered so many times that people just know the notes. They don't know what the original necessarily sounded like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and so that, that come could to, be... Come together. Come together is covered every single Thanksgiving by a different, 
musical yeah. actor. Think about it. You, uh, you turn a TV on between the, uh, any time in November yep. you, or even December, you'll get some <laughs> cover of Come Together. I yeah, know you, for the, that is a great a great example. Come together, yep. Justice League had cover for that. Like that was the theme song for that movie. Was like this, like weird sort of like alt rock version of it. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Like, it wasn't bad, but it's like it's a it's a serious departure from what the original song was. Yes, yes. You know what? With this being said, I I could totally see you know maybe fifteen twenty years, the world's still around then. Some movie's going to come out, you know, maybe some, not super mainstream, but, you know, some some indie type of movie that's going to get some traction uh, is going to have a really, really great rendition of a Beatles song, a really, really great cover. And that cover is going to get the popularity. This, of course, already happened. This is the Donnie Darko story. You know the song Mad World by Michael, covered by Michael yeah. Andrews and Gary Jules? That's a Tears for Fears song. Tears for Fears is one of the greatest bands from the 70s and 80s. No one knows Tears for Fears. They know Donnie Darko is Mad World. The original is completely different. It's much more upbeat. I could totally see something happening like that with the Beatles, that, you know, one day uh, we're going to get a movie where there's like a slow rendition of With a Little Help from My Friends that's going to absolutely break the internet. And and that's that could be the Beatles' legacy. They could go down that route. That would be amazing for a band that was so big to go to something so kind of, not niche, but... I don't know, just just brand genericism? Is that the well, way to put it? It's this weird sort of combination of, like, oversaturation with, like, limited exposure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like, it's weird. So, like, like, Rob gave the example. So it's like, okay, um, you have the original song, which is written, obviously, the song written is one thing, and then how it's performed is something different. Mm-hmm. So the song, again, like, come together, oversaturated. Yes. But the Beatles' rendition of it has limited exposure in the modern era. Absolutely. So, again, and that is what's happening. With, again, going back to Star Wars. It's like Star Wars is this thing that's I don't think anybody will argue, is oversaturating right now. <laughs> it's oversaturated. And yet, what makes Star Wars special, and what, it, what is at its core, is very limited. Like it doesn't. It, everything's. All, it's always let's bra- let's take certain aspects of the core and then branch out though, yeah. and we leave the core alone. Like we don't yep. do much with the core, and it's kind of again. And I think that's tapping. It's this weird sort of oxy. I don't know contradiction, paradox, oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Where again, oversaturation of the thing at large, but the core is underexposed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's that's kind of where we're headed, you know, maybe not just with this music, but with a lot of this kind of stuff. You know, it's it's kind of always I think this this is a, a subset of it or a special case of it. But a lot of I think today when you're uh, trying to mix music with media, visual media, whether it be for a movie or a commercial or anything in between, 
you're always you always have to have that mindset or these people doing it have the mindset of how do we boil it down to its most basic components and it's not always that you know that's what carries with people and that's what people can kind of latch on to but you're you, we're losing a lot you know like I, I don't think anybody really knows the original mad world by tears for fears but i love that song and that song has a lot of stuff that the cover doesn't have from donnie darko but, you know, that doesn't really matter to the common person. What they took from that song and what they boiled it down to for that scene fits. And that's all they need at the end of the day. You know, it's it's not like we should ever trick ourselves into thinking that they're trying to be true to the artistic form of this. They're just trying to meld it to fit their needs. Yes. But considering the fact that the beat that Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and the estates of John Lennon and George Harrison have to all sign off on this. Yes, or, that's or, a or, or, there, or, there, or there's a trust that just that they've all agreed to or some sort of a collective that they all, I, I don't know, have put in charge of it. Yeah, I have no idea. That just honest. signs off on this stuff. I don't know. So again, whoever's, whoever's going to be managing the Beatles catalog, and again, you know, again, I think most people who know the Beatles history know the story about the fact that Lennon and McCartney were very cheap in their early days writing all their music. And so mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't copyright it properly. And so when they did get big, they figured no one would ever touch the music. Then Michael Jackson came in and took it from them for how many yep. years. Oh, yeah. And, and so you have things like that, too. So like it, it's not all the fact that the, the Beatles had poor brand management over the, the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. It's not that. It, mm-hmm. it had a very tumultuous history. Absolutely. But now, obviously, they have it all back. They should be a little bit more, again, not the fact, you, you don't want, again, for the same reason why I think it's really tacky that there's a toddler uh, Pink Floyd uh, shirt, I think it'd be just as tacky to have a Abbey Road t-shirt. Like, I think that's just as tacky, but there are sure. ways to bring the Beatles back to the forefront in their original incarnation or, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not talking about twist the twist and shout era. But like yeah, them, yeah. them is a band from the 1960s. Absolutely, absolutely. For the sake of their legacy, I hope so. Because like I would imagine, like again, you think of someone like John Lennon's kind of ubiquitous, and I'd be willing to bet that ugh, probably well over 80 percent of people under the age of 30 have no idea who John Lennon is. Or they'll oh, say that they'll say that. Oh, I've heard that name before, and it'll end there. Yeah, you know what? I would say that uh, I would guess, not say. I have no empirical evidence of this, but that if you asked someone about John Lennon, they'd say uh, "Imagine," which was from his solo career. You know, some people they might say yeah. I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I think that might be what he's more um, uh, pop culturey known for yeah. in today's yeah. age than his Beatles stuff. Well, yeah, because Yoko's still around spouting her nonsense. Yeah, and I mean, you know, one of the biggest things when the Beatles were around and John Lennon was, you know, alive and part of the Beatles was, you know, him saying that they're more popular than God or whatever he said. Like, no one talks about that anymore. That was, like, front-page news of the world that he he compared a, a rock group to Jesus or whatever. And, you know, that just kind of fell by the wayside. That doesn't have hold any traction no. with history. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 really interesting for for a band to you know I grew up with them. Zach kind of grew up with them. Maybe we had a few years separate from when we really got into them. Um, but it's interesting for someone that we've kind of known as the the world famous gold standard might not be that anymore. So it's weird. So I have a question, Rob. To somebody, let's say, let's take for let's take a twenty one year old. Okay. 
21-year-old average person, again, average down the middle, vanilla human being, what do you think their gold standard would be for music? If they, mm. and, you, and you ask them to put on their objective cap, not what their favorite is, but also keeping in mind that they also are inherently biased and can't differentiate the two. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. You know what? You know, if I think if I went to like a, a, a 21-year-old student of mine, you know, been in college a few years asking about music today in the crowd of, of people that I think I get to see this subsection of, of America, I get to see, I would hear things like Tupac, Biggie, Jay-Z. I would hear like classic rappers. I would hear a lot of that hip hop, maybe run DMC. If I was oh, lucky. No no, yeah, yeah, that's what lucky. I'm about to say. If you were yeah. lucky, <laughs> if you were lucky, the wind would have to be blowing in your direction really good that day. Yeah, I'd have to like you know feed them the letters DMC to give me that one. But really, that's what I think that I yeah. get because the the artists that are insanely popular with kind of mainstream today, at least from what I've talked about, are you know the uh, the Twenty One Pilots, the the Logics, these kind of blends of rap. Yeah, Twenty One Twenty One Pilots and Logic, they're they're a flash in the pan. No one's gonna remember them in a couple of years. I I would have disagreed with you two weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago on Twenty One Pilots. Now I kind of agree with you. Logic is certainly, I think, a flash in the pan. Twenty One Pilots had the potential change the world to be like the Beatles, but I don't think they reach their potential. But that's a whole discussion for another episode. <laughs> Rob, Rob, Rob's high, folks, just let you know when he said that. Um, <laughs> but no, but I know it's interesting that you bring up like uh, Tupac. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny, you think about, again, uh, not to get too, um, well, not to get too <laughs> philosophical with music, though, but like, it's interesting that like people would say Tupac, uh, a biggie. But the weird thing is they're picking people who just died. Like they're not picking people who have like the one I was gonna say. I was gonna say Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Oh, I think okay. that just that, that being like I I swear like on top of, I didn't think about it until just now. But on top of the Pink Floyd toddler shirt, I could have sworn I've seen a Nirvana smells like te- Teen Spirit shirt. Oh sure, yeah, I could I could buy that in a second. <laughs> and and I think that's one. But like you think of people who like gold standard. I'd say like. Sean P. Diddy Combs, like that, he'd be somebody who, who I think he is like the wealthiest person in music right now. I think he's worth you know, like a billion dollars. He's a, you know, he's a big producer, label maker, entrepreneur, that type of stuff. But that's I'm what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what makes him his like, money. Yeah, sure. I think he's like the closest example we could give as to like an heir to the Paul McCartney throne, just being talented in all these different ventures. Okay, okay. like he's a guy that like. He initially had a music career, and he still does more or less to this day. You know, he doesn't do much with it, and yet he's pursued all these different projects, and he succeeds in everything he does. Yeah, because he's yeah. because he's talented beyond just music, and yet he doesn't. Like, he's what he, he kind of reminds. He's kind of like a Jerry Seinfeld almost. Jerry Seinfeld is like the wealthiest actor for like the twentieth straight year in a row, mm-hmm. and yet you never hear anything about them because they just they like Paul McCartney. They mind their own business. They sit yeah. in the corner. They do their thing. They're breaking ground without anybody noticing it. That's a yeah, yeah. That's kind of like what's happening with Eminem right now. Like and Eminem was huge in the '90s and the 2000s, mm-hmm. and now he only, the only way he gets publicity is if he badmouths someone. Oh my god! I, I I respect Eminem as an artist, but please Eminem, please 
you don't need to rap about politics 100% of the time. There's other things to rap about. Please, Eminem, please. You were better before everything had to have the word Trump in it. Oh, God. Well, that's uh, what I mean, though. So, like, think about it. Like, he'll, like, Eminem, if he, like, disappeared after Encore, mm-hmm. I would imagine... Like he'd be, he'd be legend. Like not that he died. I'm not saying he, he hurt himself or somebody hurt him. I mean, let's moved, just say he, he, he went moved off the grid. on to CEOing or entrepreneurship or something other than music, right? Then yeah. just focusing on that creation. Yeah, well, to branch like, out. What, what was the 2009, 2010 album? What was that called? Uh, was that Rehabilitation? Yes, and and that entire album, which you know, it made him money. All it was was pop crossovers mm-hmm. with Rihanna. Like yep. the, the song about domestic abuse, where they made domestic abuse sexy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, to this day, I still don't know how that has like six trillion or views on YouTube. Um, we're, we're, like, imagine, like, okay, we, we sit down with the record, like, we're gonna make a music video where we're gonna get Megan Fox and we're gonna make domestic abuse sexy. Oh Sold. yeah, and the public's gonna love it too. Take Even, my money. <laughs> you know I do. I want to see uh, a Key and Peele sketch, much like the Gremlins two one. For the love the way you lie music video. <laughs> I want to see that. Make that sketch. That would be great. Oh yeah, we gotta, Peele, get a, we gotta get a reunion for exactly. Key and Peele, so, the show. Someone call Jordan Peele and uh, Keegan-Michael Key and say, we want this. <laughs> I and, I think that, and I think that's an example though. It's like someone who has a, a great body of work and then this drives it into the ground based on overexposure. Yes, oversaturation and underexposure of what makes them great. And I think yeah. that's what happened with Eminem. Yeah. Yet where, again, someone like Jerry Seinfeld, Paul McCartney, Sean Combs, they know they're taking what, again, their intelligence, how they think, they're taking that and they're applying it to different things where their legacy will live on. Exactly. Yep. I agree. So. Good point. All right, Good Rob, point. What do we eat during this uh, philosophical conversation <laughs> about the Beatles contribution <laughs> to uh, music? Um, I already uh, got mine. The, the uh, cockroaches of the sea. Yeah. Well, now that you said lobster, I want to add that to mine because I was first gonna say that you should just do like those apples that they that they like bonk people with that turns them gray and dreary. That the blue meanies, uh, like I don't know, minions. I don't know. They're taller, huge. I think they're called bonkers. I think that's what yes, they're like. They all they to. all have names. Yeah, yeah. So the bonkers, like, get those apples. But now I'm thinking, like, you could do like a lobster, maybe a lobster tail with a side of those apples. That would be pretty cool. Is it you a know? lobster or is it the um, the cockroach lobster? It's the, it's definitely the cockroach lobster. Okay, so good. Go the cockroach lobster, just for our audience and for Zach. I don't know. If Zach has done like intense research since I said it to try and find this. It doesn't have like claws like a like a lobster you're picturing, like it, it just doesn't have front claws. It's a big fucking box. It's just a box with a lobster tail. That's literally what it is. Like it looks like a bug. It's it's really really weird. I have pictures of the ones that I've seen in real life at like aquariums and stuff. I'd have to dig them up to show Zach. But that is what you're eating. You're cooking that motherfucker up. It just what was the Simpsons clip we used? Snippy. Pinchy with the pinchy, <laughs> we're do we're pinchy in this. Like you got to take care of this cockroach of the sea. Keep them in your bathtub. You know, people are like, "What the hell is that?" And you'd be like, "It's my mutant experiment." And then you know, you eat them one day by accident or for real. Uh, whichever comes first. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
okay, this would be mine. Um, okay, yes, we're ready. Like, you try to, like, bake a loaf of bread, but you do it, like, in the shape of, like, I don't know how you do it, so, like, like, yeast and it rises, but you do it, like, in the, sh- it's, like, bread sculpture, but it's, like, a, the yellow submarine. Okay. And yet you okay, bake cool. the, you, you bake the bread, but when you cut into it, it's, like, hollow. Like, there's, like, there's, like, hollow, like, it's just, it's just crust. It's, like, yellow crust in that shape. <laughs> There's no like dough or like any sort of like bread on it. It's just crust, like crunchy crust. You can't. Like, you try to th- like putting like butter on it. It just like breaks off in your hand. So you have like, like bread crumbs, like a little like smudge of butter on your hand. It's horrible. It's okay. not horrible, but like it's nothing to be happy about. Like it'll get you full, but it's kind of like not the best like thing to eat. And so are we? Are we talking uh, that this would be served? dry like there wouldn't be a sauce or anything it would just be this sculpture of bread and you have to eat just the bread well that's what i'm thinking well what it is though is that you you have butter with it like like a stick of butter but like you (laughs) take a piece you cut a piece of it off and like half of it's falling apart in your hand because it's just there's nothing to it then you try putting like the butter on it it just like it breaks even further to the point where you have like bread crumbs in your hand with like butter melting over your on, on top of it on your hand so like you're like licking breadcrumbs and like butter off your hand. And it's like, this is like, it's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. But like, this, there's so many better things you could do w- w- to eat. Would this fall under the category of a yellow submarine crouton? Would it be like a crouton? Maybe? No, it would like break a, apart. No, maybe it would crouton- like a biscuit, like it would crumble. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but like, but it's like it's it's a loaf of bread that's in that shape because it's like yellow and it's like it has like a little like porthole, it's a little black like burn marks for like the portholes. <laughs> I like that that it wouldn't be a design; it would just be like someone took a blowtorch to specific parts. Well, that's what of I mean. Though. Like, it, like it's like kind of like when you like over toast like like a bagel too much. It's got yeah. like, burn spots on it. <laughs> I like that's it. what it is. It's not the end of the. Like, it's not. It's not like the uh, the potato chip bag that like you'll give you cancer. It's yeah. not as bad as and it's not bad. Like it'll get you full. It's not like really unhealthy, but it's not the best viewing. Ex- it's not the best eating experience. Okay, would you say it's something like where if you showed it to somebody, they would go, "Oh, that's pretty cool," but they wouldn't have a second helping of it. No, it's like it's like, like they oh. would just try it and be like, "That's neat." <laughs> yeah, presentation a substance. Like C minus D, D minus. Plus. I well, I want to give it a D minus. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so Rob, <laughs> is this a cinematic and or a late night movie? Oh God! You know what? Uh, I might have said yes to late night movie before we had this conversation, but now I'm thinking no to a late night movie. Like, if I got to put a visual album on, I'd put on Odd Sack. Hundred hell, I'd put on Endless before I think I'd put this on. Like, this is just, you're just listening to the album. Like, I, I honestly might be tempted to say that I would rather just put on the album Yellow Submarine instead of putting on the movie late at night. That's how tempted I am to say. Because this doesn't add much, you know? I mean, like, cinemodity. I mean, I might be tempted even to say no, that it's a cinemodity. You kind of convinced me, Zach, you know, I see this as it was a cash grab to some extent. It was them trying to commercialize something that they had. And, uh, yeah, it has some weird artwork, but so does a lot of other stuff. I think Fantastic Planet kind of wins, kind of beats this one out. 
you know, this one doesn't really have a spot, I might say, because Fantastic Planet is on there. Even though that's on a visual album, I think in terms of artwork, in terms of story, in terms of, you know, bang for your buck, bang for your viewing time, that just beats it. So I'm going to say no on both, Zach. I, I think the if only I could tell my eight-year-old self that how many years later it would be? Actually, it might actually... 30. It might be... <laughs> 60. 120. Uh, 120. <laughs> actually, it might be almost 17 years to the date because I... No, it was probably July I saw this. It might have been within 17 years ago. Almost, it, was, it was during the summer, so it was in the last few months. Okay. If I can only tell myself 17 years ago that I'd be doing a podcast, whoever that is, with a guy <laughs> I knew from high school, and he picked this to talk about, and through my talking, actually talked him out of including it on a list. <laughs> this would be the ultimate revenge I could get on this movie after how much it scared the living daylights out of me. The prophecy has been fulfilled. <laughs> the circle is now complete. When I left you, Yellow Submarine, I was with the learner, but now I am the master. Oh, that's uh, good. Uh, no, I'm going to say yes to both. Really? Yes. Uh, I think we're looking at this for the same reason why I attacked it the way I did or uh, unraveled it, I think I'm also too cynical. I'm too jaded. But as I watch this and I think back to it, even going back to my uh, eight-year-old self, I think if you show this to someone, much like how we talked about how like Fantastic Planet and Star Wars, the Clone Wars, were kind of like introductory like cinematities, yeah, yeah. I think this falls into that category because it's weird, yet it's accessible. Okay, that's fair. I could, it, it's I could weird... Like the same, like as I was watching it, I was, even though it's long, I could feel its length. There's always something going on. Whereas it's not as obviously Star Wars, the Clone Wars is silly mm -hmm. and fantastic plan. I, I said, fantastic planet is weird. I think it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird sort of thing where fantastic planet, I think is overall stranger because there is that weird sort of like a language or cultural barrier there. Mm -hmm. It's not intentionally being crazy for the sake of being crazy. So I think yeah. this would be like a weird thing where it's, it's between the two. Okay. A lot of kids like get scared by something. They turn it off. I sat through it. <laughs> so there is something to it there. Like an eight year old sat through something like this. So, yeah. okay. It has some value. Like, we're not, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater to quote our favorite uh, history teacher. Exactly. No, no, I agree there with you there. There is value to this. There uh, is I, value I am not this. completely disposing of this. Um, I just don't. I, I. You're right. I'm not disregarding this completely. I love the artwork. I love the music. It's the Beatles. Can't go wrong. It's very commercial. But it's just, uh, like I said before, it's a bummer. You know, it's not as kind of this immaculate masterpiece of, of one of my favorite bands that I really want, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't hit those standards. It's just kind of there and i accept it i appreciate it but i'm not going gung-ho for it like i am odd sack or anything like that yeah like i said but i i think it's a, a worthy inclusion in the cinema of these uh, okay, okay. I, I, it, it deserves a spot even beyond my uh my fear of it as a child <laughs> i think there is something to this despite the fact that it is a very commercial film that yeah. was disguised as an artistic venture Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Make a good point. You back them up appropriately. All, All right. right. Is that it for Yellow Submarine? I think so. Okay. Well, I think, uh, like I did in our last episode of Visual Albums, I would like to once again give us a little, a little heads up 
on what else we're going to see. I think there's some uncertainty at the time of this recording about what the hell we're going to be talking about. But something, maybe not next week, but coming up, I think next week. I think, Zach, I think. We're going to be talking about The Wall by Pink Floyd. There's our Pink Floyd connection. Oh, I thought you were talking about S Club. S Club. (laughs) Well, maybe that could, who knows? Like I said, who knows, Zach? Now, quick question before we leave. Zach, have you ever seen The Wall? Uh, no, I've, I think I've listened to one Pink Floyd song in my entire life. Great. The Wall is a doozy. How do we end this episode? I think we know how it's going to have to end. Uh, don't you dare say it. You're going to say it, aren't you? I think we should play the meanies <laughs> going, wee, 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 backwards. You threw me for a loop there, Zach. I could get behind that. I'd get behind some backwards blue meanies. Uh, I thought for sure you were going to say that we were just going to throw out everything we recorded so far for Yellow Submarine, and with the same amount of time that that takes up, just play the Gremlins theme song on repeat. Well, I wouldn't say I thought no that's that. what you were going to say. I, I, I would never say no to that, but we all know <laughs> you, you can't always get what you want. Oh, man. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's have some blue meanies take us out this week for Yellow Submarine. Who'd you have for health? Uh, the woman. <laughs> the woman? Do you I remember her name? It was the man and the woman. Everybody hated the woman. That's all I remember. I don't remember her name. She was it not sounds, That sure sounds familiar. This is staying in. This is all Did, staying in. Didn't you take health, like, in summer school? Yeah, I took health over the summer as, like, an accelerated, you know, like, five-week or eight-week, whatever they did back at Arlington. Four-week, maybe? Um, yeah, because I didn't want to... I wanted a free period in my senior year, so I took health over the summer. And it was it was pretty fun. <laughs> I don't remember that dude's name, but I remember he was just like this crazy motherfucker. He was like he was like it, I, there was this one day I don't know why it must have been about nutrition, but he was like, if you buy a family sized bag of chips and eat that all on your own, you should feel bad about yourself. And I was <laughs> like. Like, that was where lessons went, usually. And I remember there was a whole lesson, whole day where he, like, spent time trying to teach us how to properly shake hands. <laughs> and the one kid that he, like, didn't do it two times with, because he went to every one of the class and, like, shook their hand. He was like, shake my hand type of thing. And he there was, like, one kid that he didn't go to twice. And it was, like, the autistic kid. He was like, you can give a handshake, my man. And this kid was so happy. And, oh, God, it was the weirdest experience of my fucking life. He, I, for some reason, we were talking about why, like, elementary school and middle schools start at different times, or elementary schools and high schools. And he was like, it has something to do with farming, like, the so kids can get out and help their parents farm. And this one kid in my class, like, immediately after the teacher said this, just screamed out, that's bullshit! <laughs> and like, the teacher was like, no, it's not! And the kid, the kid didn't say anything back. It was it was great. Uh, dude came into class wearing a tank top, 
you know, <laughs> cutoffs and everything. It tank top said five dollar foot long and an arrow <laughs> went down. And my teacher was like, "That's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen. That's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen." And that's like how class started one day. What was the guy's name? Like, you no, name? I have I have no idea. He was not a high school teacher. I remember they brought him in from like he was like a middle school gym teacher. Like I basically lived that scene in Mean Girls. It was great. It was a great time. That, and, and that is the first scene, actually, of Yellow Submarine. Yes. You know that <laughs> Five dollar foot long T-shirt with an arrow pointing downward. <laughs> that's that's a favorite part of the film, actually. Oh yes, it starts with a bang. <laughs> oh my. God.